0: you're listening to for the love of dharma my name is heather love and i'm one of the first certified dharma coaches in the world i'm a spiritual and integrative life coach who specializes in nervous system regulation rewiring the subconscious mind and of course finding your dharma I'm a self-proclaimed personal development junkie who left my 20-year corporate career in 2021 without a plan except to trust my intuition that it was the right time to go. I'm obsessed with helping more people expand their perspectives, step into their truth, and fall madly in love with their lives. You're in the right place if you're ready to uncover your passions, reclaim your radiance, discover your soul's calling, and step into the highest version of yourself while you learn to live life on your terms in a fun and authentic way. Welcome to this magical adventure where we'll ponder life's big questions together. Here we go. Hi, friends. Today, we're going to talk about anxiety, which is something that I experience occasionally, and I know people who experience it much more frequently. Today's episode is really about making you feel better once you are experiencing anxiety. There are so many reasons why someone might be experiencing anxiety that I'm really not going to get into the root cause of it right now. It's such a vast topic and one that I am only beginning to learn about. So I don't want to do it a disservice by trying to talk about something that I'm not fully educated in, but I am very educated in how to make you feel better. So that is what we're going to tackle today. So let's dive in. If you look up the definition of anxiety on the internet, it's actually a very long and convoluted definition But essentially, it's when we are focused on something that is in the past or you're worried about something in the future. So you're not living in the present moment. The number one thing that I want people to take away from this episode is that not all anxiety is created equal. I'm so tired of people just trying to throw a pill at everyone and saying that this is the solution to anxiety because it just doesn't work that way. Like I said, there are so many different reasons that people experience anxiety that it's hard to just bucket it all into one thing and say, here is one solution for all of it. So today I'm going to give you some tips and tricks on how to figure out where you are on the anxiety scale and how to help yourself feel better. In most cases, anxiety is a way that our bodies have conditioned themselves to react in various situations. So when you do that with repetition, this creates a habit in our brains and our bodies and the reactions that we have. The tools that I'm going to teach you today will interrupt the reaction to the stimulus by creating a roadblock and forcing it to detour. So, instead of that anxiety being on a superhighway from the stimulus to how it feels in your body, you are going to be able to choose how you respond in situations instead of waiting until you're already in it. So, the more you do this, the more repetition, the more you're going to create a new habit, a new superhighway. Essentially, you are creating new neural pathways in your brain, which is amazing. So when you think about this superhighway, think of, I don't know, what is it called? The Autobahn? Is that in Germany? I don't even know what that is, but it's where you drive really, really fast, right? So you have the thing that causes the anxiety, which a lot of times after a certain amount of time, it, it's as simple as a thought. And the amount of time between the stimulus and the response is so fast. It's generally physical in nature and you can't talk yourself out of it or tell yourself to calm down. I don't know if you've ever been in the middle of an anxiety attack or just feeling anxious about something, but whether it's you telling yourself to calm down or somebody else telling you to calm down, it never works. This is because anxiety is very physical in nature. There is a huge component of it that is happening in the brain, but the way that you are experiencing it is through the body. These tools that I'm giving you today are essentially your machetes in the forest. So we're going to take a detour off the superhighway and we're going to create a new highway. So in order to do that, you need to have the tools to cut down a path. So consider these tools, your machetes. When you walk this new path enough, the old road is going to fall apart, and this is going to be your new way to deal with anxiety, and you are going to feel so much better. Anxiety primarily lives on one side of the brain, your left brain, so many of these tips are going to alternate right brain, left brain, or will mostly be focused on the right brain, because when this happens, your anxiety cannot keep its shit together. So what we're going to do today is we are going to rate your anxiety on a scale of one to 10, and I'll kind of tell you where those fall, but I'm going to bucket these into three categories because I can't say, well, if you're at a one, do this. And if you're at a two, do that, because it's going to be different for everyone. It's easiest to do this when you start with a specific situation or experience. Because chronic anxiety is really a compilation of many different situations on top of each other. So by breaking them up into smaller chunks, it's going to be really helpful for this exercise. This is super individual. So what you may rate as a five, somebody else may rate as a seven or as a two. So this isn't a comparison game. This is all about you and how you feel. It's really important to notice what is happening in your body at each of these stages. So what do you notice about your breathing? What do you notice about your heart rate? What do you notice about your concentration? What do you notice about your sleeping habits? Even asking yourself, where do you feel it in your body? Is your chest tight? Are your shoulders up by your ears? Is your stomach upset? Are your eyes twitching? All of these things are indications of where you will fall on the scale. So now when you think of that specific situation, I want you to take into consideration all of these things about how you're feeling, and I want you to rate it on a scale of 1 to 10. This is important because it's going to kind of be the basis for all of this information. So there's no right or wrong. Like I said, there's no comparison to anyone else. It's just that every time that you feel anxious, whether you're thinking about a scenario that's happened in the past, or if you can think of something right now that makes you anxious, take a moment, answer the questions about how you feel, where you feel it in your body, what do you notice about your body, what do you notice about your breathing, and take a moment to rate it. Understanding how your own body works is going to be the key in making any lasting change with this. You cannot think your way out of anxiety and you can't tell yourself to be calm. It will not work. Back in the beginning of May, I had a free workshop on how to tame anxiety, and I got so much great feedback on it that that's why I wanted to do this podcast for you today. I wanted to make this information available to everyone because it's so beneficial, and I heard so many stories from people who were saying how much it helped them. So when you're thinking about this anxiety in this scale of one to 10, we're gonna break it up into three different chunks again because everyone kind of falls into a different category depending on what's going on with them, even if the situation is exactly the same. So if you're between a one and five, that's kind of at the low end of anxiety. It's more of an annoyance. It's noticeable, but not debilitating. The way I explain this is for me, going to the dentist is at this low end. I don't like it, but I still go. I still go every six months and get my teeth cleaned and do all the things that you're supposed to do. For other people, it's a much bigger deal and they have a lot of anxiety around going. Maybe they put off making an appointment and they eventually do, but there's a whole lot of mind drama about it. So those are gonna be people who are a little bit higher. And then you have the people who need medication to go to the dentist, right? Because they, they just can't do it. They're so anxious about it that they need assistance to be able to go. So for me, it's just kind of annoying. It's just something I don't want to do, but I will do it anyways. So now there's some overlap. So the second category is from a three to seven. Again, because some of these tools that I'm going to give you, depending on where you fall on this scale, some things are going to work better for some, and then other things will work better for others. So we're kind of overlapping a little bit here. So three to seven is the second category. This is where you catch yourself looping and overthinking. So it varies between not wanting to and the freeze response. So for me, an example of this would be going to have blood work done. I get blood work done every single year. I really hate it. My palms get sweaty. I get very anxious about the whole thing and I've done it every year for 16 years. (laughs) So it shouldn't be a big deal. And it literally doesn't hurt when I do it. It's just like this quick little pinch and it's over. But I have so much going on in my head about it that I will procrastinate making the appointment to go for a long time. I will eventually make the appointment and go, but it takes me some time. So I alternate between not wanting to, so I don't, and then not wanting to, but I do it anyway. The third category is then five to 10. So this is at the top end, the high end of anxiety. This is going to interfere with what you're trying to accomplish to the point that you can't move forward. So an example of this for me is that when I was married, my ex-husband kept every piece of paper, every receipt, every everything that we ever got. And so when we got divorced, I had all this paper that I knew I should get rid of. But I was also terrified to do that because I wasn't sure what was in there and I didn't necessarily want to go through it all. And I was scared of throwing away something that I would need later. So I just kept all of it for years and years and years and years. I did finally get myself to go through it all, but it took years. Like that's how much anxiety I had about it. Now we're going to get into the tips and tricks for each different categories. So again, one to five, three to seven and five to 10 different tools will work differently depending on who you are and what you like. So I'm just going to give you a bunch and hopefully you'll find some that work for you. There's no limit to how many times you can use the same one. If you find one you like stick with it, but also have fun and try new ones. When I did the workshop, it was over Zoom. So some of these I actually like demonstrated. So it'll be a little tricky to try to do it over a podcast where you can't actually see me, but we're going to go ahead and give it a go and see how it works. One of the biggest aha moments I had was when I learned that the higher your anxiety is, the more you need to move your body. So Anything that's going to be at the lower end of the scale is going to require less physical activity in order for you to be able to move that energy out. The higher you go up on the anxiety scale, the more you need to move your body in order to feel better. Again, so think of a particular situation, something very specific, either in the past that you have already experienced, or if you can think of something in the moment, that would be great because you can see how these work. Okay. So for one through five, the first technique is to breathe into your lower back ribs. So if you sit up straight or you stand up, either one will work and you just really concentrate on taking deep breaths in and feeling your lower back and your lower ribs expand. And you just breathe in, feel that expansion and exhale. And you breathe it in and you feel that expansion in your lower back and ribs and exhale. And I won't tell you to inhale, when to inhale and when to exhale. I don't like people telling me when to breathe. But when you really concentrate on that expansion in your lower ribs, in the back, and exhale, it is going to bring you back to right now. The next one is touching your eyes. So you can do this in a couple of different ways. You're going to close your eyes. Don't do this if you're driving. Again, if you're driving, don't do any of these ones that I tell you to close your eyes, okay? But close your eyes and just gently take your fingertips gently and just place them over your eyes. And there's research done about why this is so calming. There's so much sensation in our eyes and in our fingertips. So when we just touch it, it can be very calming. Now, if you don't like to do that, you can take a washcloth and do the same thing essentially by putting a washcloth over your eyes. The washcloth can be cold or hot depending on how you're feeling. Again, this is where you're really going to get in touch with your body to understand what you need in that moment. This will be the only time I talk about meditation. Mm, I take that back. I might talk about it in the next one, (laughs) but it's a different kind. So meditation, I mean, in this case, the traditional seated meditation where you're sitting there with your eyes closed, you are listening to music, you are envisioning another time or place where you are relaxed and calm. This category of one to five is the only time you should be doing seated meditation if you're experiencing anxiety. Like I said earlier, the higher you go up on the anxiety scale, the more you need to move your body. So if you are at a 10 and you think you're gonna sit down and meditate and have it actually do anything, you're actually probably going to make it worse. So between one and five is the only time that you should be considering meditating. And if you're not feeling anxious, I recommend meditation all the time. All right, next one, journaling. So again, this doesn't take a lot of physical activity. You're kind of in your head. Sometimes all you need is just to get it out on paper. Sometimes having someone to vent to, even if it's a piece of paper, will get you to the point of getting it just out of your system. And a lot of times that's all you need. You just needed to get it out and you'll feel so much better. Okay, the next one is peripheral vision. So when we are experiencing anxiety or stress or overwhelm, we have what's called foveal vision. And essentially that means tunnel vision. You can't really see anything around you except the problem or the issue or whatever it is that you're focused on. So peripheral vision, I'm going to just talk you through how to do this. Again, if you're driving, please don't attempt this. Otherwise, feel free to do this while you're listening to me. So I want you to find something to focus on in the room that you are in that is either at eye level or maybe slightly above. This should be a stationary item, something that's not going to move, not the TV screen, not a computer, nothing, you know, not a person, right? Something that is stationary. So for me, I often look at a light switch or a piece of furniture. And I want you to look at it and just soften your gaze. So that it's just a little bit out of focus. And while you keep your eyes on the object you've selected, I want you to just notice what is over to the left. Again, keep looking at the same object. Don't take your eyes off of it. Just have a very soft gaze. So it's kind of blurry, but just notice what's over to your left. And then I want you to notice without taking your eyes off the object, the space over to the right. And still keeping that soft, hazy gaze in front of you. Notice what's above you. Can you possibly even see what's above the ceiling? Imagine what is above the house or the building or the roof that you're under. Maybe you can even see what the sky looks like. And keeping that soft, hazy gaze on that object... I want you to notice what's below you. Is there a floor? You notice the ground underneath you and keeping that soft gaze, I want you to notice the space behind you and just notice what you notice. And when you're ready, you can go ahead and bring that object back into focus and see how you feel. That is called peripheral vision and the reason it works so well, like I said, is because when you are experiencing anxiety, you are focused on one specific thing. By taking a moment to experience the space around you, you are bringing yourself back to the present moment, whether you realize it or not. Your brain cannot focus on peripheral and foveal at the same time. All right. The next one, I already said, I don't like people telling me when to breathe, but this one, I will tell you it does work. I don't use it a lot because I have asthma. And so trying to count while I'm breathing can be difficult and actually cause me to feel worse. So again, this is where knowing your body becomes so important. Box breathing is something that was actually invented to help people in the military to make them feel better when they're suffering from PTSD. What it is, is you are going to inhale for four counts. You are going to hold it at the top for four. You're going to exhale for four and hold it at the bottom for four. So you think of like making a box, right? Four, 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 four. So again, you inhale for four. Hold at the top for four. Exhale for four. And hold at the bottom for four. And when you do this for about three to five rounds, you will notice your heart rate slows, your breathing obviously slows, and you will feel a little bit better. And you just continue to do that until you feel a lot better. Some people notice it instantly. Some people take a few more rounds. So again, just know what your body is telling you and you're going to do that box breathing. This next one is one I learned from one of my mentors, Melissa Tears. Um, A lot of these are actually ones I learned from Melissa. Not all of them, but a lot of them. But this one I love. It works so well. So it's called the backwards spin. Anxiety tends to have a movement to it. So when you are sitting there with anxiety tune into it and notice not only where it is in your body, but how it's moving. Is it moving in circles? Is it moving forwards and backwards? Kind of what is it doing in your body? And if you could take your, your finger out in front of you and move it in that same way, whether it's counterclockwise or it's up and down or however it's moving, I want you to kind of bring it out so that you can see it in front of you. So you're moving your hand or your finger in the direction that the anxiety is moving in your body. This is one that would be super helpful for you to be able to see, but I'm hoping that I am explaining it well enough that you are able to follow along. So you've got this movement and now you've got it out in front of you so that you can see it. Now I want you to stop and reverse it. So whatever way it was going, if it was going forward, now you're going backwards. If it was going clockwise, now you're going counterclockwise. If it was going up, now you're going down. And I want you to move your hand in that opposite direction or move your finger in that opposite direction. And now I want you to imagine putting it back into your body. Going in the opposite direction than it was originally going. It is going to feel a little bit weird. That is the point. Sometimes, before I put it back in my body, I actually imagine my favorite color just kind of washing over this anxiety that's moving outside of my body. So that before I put it back in, in the opposite direction, it is now covered in my favorite color. And it makes it so much more calm and soothing. And it just feels so good. So that's a fun one to play with. Okay, we're still at one to five here. So we got a couple more. Okay, the next one is to hold your wrist. So whatever, it does not matter. Take one of your hands and hold your other wrist so that the palm of your one hand is on the underside of your other wrist. The reason this is important is you have something called a vagus nerve that runs all the way from your brain, all the way through your body. By making sure that you are covering and holding and putting pressure on the underside of your wrist, you are activating that vagus nerve, which is tied to our parasympathetic nervous system, which is what helps make you calm. So once you're holding that, I want you to take a deep breath in and I want you to exhale twice as long. Holding that wrist, take a deep breath in and exhale twice as long do this three to five times and you should notice a big difference. The next one on this list is to snuggle with a pet or animal. So this would be another mammal. So a cat, a dog, not a lizard or a snake. (laughs) Generally think of something furry and you're safe. The reason this works is because there is something called co-regulation. Animals don't have anxiety. They have the fight or flight or freeze response, depending on what is happening. But then once that's over, it's over. They don't sit there and ruminate about it. So they have a very calming nature about them in general. And so if you snuggle with them, you will start to mirror what is going on with them. And the last one for this one to five category is to go outside barefoot, put your feet in the grass, put your feet in the dirt. It's called grounding and it really is grounding. It will help take all of that nervousness, that anxiety, and it will push it down into the earth and you will feel a ton better. Okay. So that was one to five. We're going to move on now to three to seven. So this is another one that I demonstrated in the workshop that I will try to do my best to explain just through my words. But essentially what you're going to do is you're going to do big, slow hip circles. So you're going to need to stand up for this one and you're going to take your hips and you're going to go all the way around into a big circle with your hips. Like you are using your hips to lick brownie batter off of a bowl. And if it helps you to put on some smooth jazz or whatever music gets you in the moon, that's great. But This is where you're going to start to see we are going to with this three to seven group, we're going to start to move our body just a little bit more. Okay, so a lot of the one to five was sitting in place, standing in place, not doing very much movement. We're going to start to move a little bit more. So I want you to just really take your hips and just really nice, slow hip circles. You can go a couple times around one way and switch it, and go another the other way, and it's going to feel so good. You'll, you will be shocked at how much this helps you. The next one is called Havening, and this is another one where it's helpful to have a demonstration. But essentially, if you take your left hand, and you start at your right elbow, and you just move your hand down to your other hand, it's almost like you're just kind of rubbing, right? Like you just kind of... You're almost like gently wiping something off you. You can start from your elbow to your wrist. You can start from your shoulder to your elbow. You can go from your shoulder all the way down to your wrist. You can go from your knee to your ankle. It's all called havening. Essentially, you're just gently rubbing from one point to another point. And there is something soothing about the element of touch. And that is why this works so well. The next one is walking. So if you remember earlier, I said anxiety primarily lives on the left side of your brain. So what walking does is it stimulates your right brain and your left brain and your right brain and your left brain, because it has to move each side of your body. If you're going to do this, I encourage you not to just walk and think about the issue that is making you anxious. If you're going to walk, I would say maybe walk with a friend, listen to a podcast, listen to an audiobook. You can do a walking meditation. So, this is the only other time that I said I would bring up meditation. This is where you're actually going to be meditating, but you're also moving. So, it's a little bit different. The next one is called faster EFT. So my mentor, Melissa Tears, did not invent this, but she is the one who taught it to me and I will forever connect her to it because she is from New York. And so everything is faster in New York, but EFT is emotional freedom technique. And it is based off the fact that there are meridian points that you can tap on to feel better The original classic EFT has many different meridian points and a whole script of things that you're supposed to say and how many times you're supposed to go through it. But I am going to just tell you the faster version today, because in my experience, it works just as well and it's faster. (laughs) So in this version, there are five tapping points, and then we're going to hold our wrist at the end again, like we did for the last section So the first thing you're going to do is you're going to tap the top of your head with a couple of your fingers. It doesn't matter which hand you're going to tap at the top of your head. And you're going to say, I release and let this go. And you tap there for a little bit. 15 seconds is good. Then the second place you're going to tap is kind of in your kind of where your third eye is. I take three fingers and I have the two outside fingers touching each one of my eyebrows and then the middle finger touching them in between those. So I'm catching third eye and the eyebrow points and you're going to tap there and you're going to say I release and let this go. The third place you're going to tap on is the outside corner of your eye. Again, I take two or three fingers, and this is just gentle tapping. You don't need to tap very hard at all. You're just stimulating those meridian points. And it is with the outside corner of your eye kind of along that bone. And you're going to say, I release and let this go. The next point, you're going to follow that eye bone underneath your eye. And you're going to take two or three fingers and just tap gently. I release and let this go. The last point is your chest. So you can either take both hands and tap where your collarbones are, or you can take an open palm and just kind of tap across the whole middle of your chest where you're touching both collarbones with one hand. And you're just going to tap, tap, tap. I release and let this go. And the final step is to take that wrist hold again. So you're going to make sure you're stimulating the vagus nerve by taking the palm of one hand, making sure you're covering the underside of your other wrist. Take a deep breath in and exhale twice as long. So I just want you to notice how much better that makes you feel. And if you still are experiencing some anxiety, do another round. So there's no limit to how many times you can do this. Generally, after two, three, four rounds, you're going to notice a difference. You might even notice a difference after just one round. The next one is called bilateral stimulation. I showed one version of this on my Instagram a while back where I was taking, I had a crystal in my hand, but you could literally use anything that's small enough to fit in your hand. So it could be your phone, it could be a remote, it could be a water bottle. It doesn't matter, just something that is small enough that you can pass it back and forth. And you're going to put it in one hand and you're going to move it across the middle of your body and place it in your other hand. And then you're going to kind of swing that hand out to your side. And then you're going to bring it back, cross the midline of your body and place it in the other hand. And that hand is going to kind of swing out and come back, cross the midline of your body. So essentially, you're just passing this thing back and forth, but you're not tossing it. You're gently like placing it and you're making sure that you are crossing the midline of the body. The reason that's important, again, is because anxiety is living in one side of your brain. And by doing this, you are activating right brain, left brain, right brain, left brain. Some of my clients find it helpful to even say that out loud as they're passing it back and forth. Right brain, left brain, right brain, left brain. So whatever works for you. So that's one version of bilateral stimulation. Again, it's any a bilateral stimulation just means that you're stimulating both sides of the brain. So this is where I was saying even before with walking, it's the same thing. That's essentially bilateral stimulation. But a couple other ways to do bilateral stimulation is if you cross your arms in front of you like a genie and you don't have to have them up like a genie. I'm just, you know, that's the way you should have them crossed. You can definitely rest that against your body, but you've got your hands on top of your arm, your upper arm, and you're just going to tap, Right left, right, left. And this you can do a little bit quicker, but it's almost like you're just tapping each arm, each upper arm, right, left, right, left, right, left. And that is also bilateral stimulation. And then the last one I'll tell you about is if you take your hands, place one on top of the other so that the palm of one is on the top of your other hand and it, almost looks like a butterfly, right? You've got your fingers all pointing out and your thumbs should be pointing up. And now I want you to put that over your chest so that your thumbs are now up by your throat and your fingers are pointing out towards your armpits. And you're just gonna alternate tapping right, left, right, left. This is called a butterfly tap because it kind of looks like a butterfly. So you're just tapping right, left, right, left, right, left right left. So those are all examples of bilateral stimulation. They can all be used for this 3 to 7 category. They're all helpful. They can be used at different times depending on where you are. Some may be more appropriate depending on what is going on and where you're at, but they are all they will all work. Also another one that if you can't do anything else because you don't want to look weird is put both feet flat on the floor and lift up your toes, right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, or lift up your heels or alternate heel, heel, toe, toe, heel, right? So that you, but you're essentially stimulating both sides of the brain because you're moving both sides of the body. The next one is swaying or rocking. So if you remember when you were a kid, your caretaker, a lot of times if you were upset, they would rock you back and forth or they would, you know, kind of sway with you. That is still kind of ingrained in your memory, even if you don't remember it. So it has a very calming effect. The next one after that is shaking or bouncing So this is going to be one where you're going to not want to be concerned about how you look. You want to just start moving your body and let it move however it wants to move. You can start with shaking your hands. It might move to your shoulders and to your hips and down to your feet. Bouncing, it could be a small bounce. It might want to be a big bounce. So you just have to kind of let this one move how it wants to move through your body. The idea is to just get this stagnant energy moving. So however it wants to move to get out is how you should move. The next one is to ask someone you trust for a hug. Many of us, when we are feeling anxious, we will close ourselves off from the world. I talked a little bit before about co-regulation with an animal. This is like the next step up. So by asking for a hug from someone you trust and not just like a little quick hug, right? Like actually like three, five, 10 second hug is going to really help you. Again, it will slow down your heart rate. It will slow down your breathing by just being safe and being held by someone you love is going to make a huge difference. All right, two more for this three to seven category. This one may or may not apply to everyone. I have it because it works for me mowing the lawn. So I have a pretty large yard and I have a push mower. So if I am feeling anxious about anything and I go out and mow the lawn, I will feel a million times better by the time I'm done. So there's an element of bilateral stimulation because my legs are moving right, left, right, left. But there's also just a physical exertion element where I'm pushing something and I'm moving my body. And then the last one for this three to seven category is lifting weight. This does not have to be like, you know, trying to break any records here. You could literally just get some light weights. It's just to get your blood pumping, those muscles moving. It's really going to help move that energy through your body. So if you have two pound weights, three pound weights, if you don't have anything, just use like a gallon of water, right? Anything that is going to really start getting your heart pumping just a little bit is going to help. So, now we're going to move to five to 10. So, this is on the scale where things are to the point where you're feeling a little bit frozen in the fact that your anxiety is keeping you paralyzed from moving forward. The more you feel frozen, the more you need to move your body. So, all of these have an element of physicality to them. Okay. So, the first one is a HIT workout H I I T high interval intensity training. And for anyone who's ever done this as just a form of exercise, you know how much you sweat and how many calories you burn. This is very intense and it will get your blood really pumping. And the more you're moving, the more that anxiety is moving out. Power walking. So this is not we're out for a leisurely stroll, right? This is I am walking with purpose. I have somewhere to be and I'm on a schedule, right? That's kind of the idea you should have in mind when you're power walking. The more anxious you feel, the faster you should be moving your body, the more intense activity you should be having. So think of yourself as like really having someplace to be. I know there's not at least around me there's not a lot of malls anymore but I used to work in a mall when I was a teenager and we had mall walkers who would walk the mall just that's what you should picture when you've got power walking in mind for this category. Along those same lines the next one is running. I am not a runner unless something is chasing me. I I won't I don't care how anxious I'm feeling. <laughs> I will not run. So this is going to be up to you, how you feel, if you like to run, if you hate it. I don't have great knees. So again, I'm not going to run. However, if you are a runner and you are experiencing anxiety, go out for a run. I have heard so many stories of people who like to run and they have experienced something that causes them to be anxious or they just have something on their mind and they go out running and they get so much clarity from it. The next one is jumping. So this can be just jumping up and down. This can be jump rope. I have a rebounder in my house. So I sometimes I just get on it for 15 minutes and I just jump up and down for 15 minutes. And it is amazing how much better I feel after that 15 minutes. So this one isn't as physical, but it is going to help you in the case that you are really at the top end of your anxiety. So it's either screaming or just making noise. You could scream into a pillow if your neighbors are going to worry that something is going on with you. You can muffle the sound with a pillow but really just screaming at the top of your lungs or making whatever noise comes out. There have been studies done to show that more of like a deep guttural scream can be more helpful in releasing anxiety than like a high pitch. So it'd be more like a instead of a, "Ah," right? So just you could play with it, see what works better for you. But there has been research done to show that that deep Scream gets more of that primal instinct going and getting it out of you. And if you're screaming and you're screaming into a pillow, you could just go right into the next one, which is punching a pillow. So, again, this is getting you moving, getting your body moving, getting all of those muscles engaged. But I don't want to tell you to actually go punch anything or anyone where you are going to get hurt or where someone else is going to get hurt. So, grab a pillow and just have at it. Just punch until you cannot physically punch anymore. For some people, that might take 30 seconds. For some people, that might take 10 minutes. It's really just until you have exerted all of the energy that you have in your body so that you can release that anxiety. Biking, again, if you own a bike, if you like to go out on bike rides, this is another great one. And there is just an element of being outside that is going to help you as well. But when you think of biking, again, that bilateral movement, I had gotten on a bike for the first time in a very long time, and I was surprised the next day how much my core hurt. You know, there's, there's so much involved in your body. You think, oh, I'm not really moving anything except my legs, but you really are. So again, that whole physical movement, get out there, get on a bike, it will make you feel so much better. The next one is hiking. So this, again, not a leisurely, like we're just going out and exploring and seeing what's out there. This is like, there's hills and valleys and there's tough terrain. And like, you're really putting an effort into this hike, like a hike where you need to bring water, (laughs) you know, really think of yourself as being on an expedition in these cases. This is, again, you want to really, really, really get your physical movement in. The next one is ecstatic dance. Again, this is just dancing, but on another level. (laughs) So I have actually never done ecstatic dance. I have seen it done and it looks super cool, but it also looks a little complicated and I'm not sure my body moves that way. So if you don't know what ecstatic dance is, or you're not sure that that's what you want to do, just have an all out dance party. The harder you move, the more you dance, the better it is going to be. So dance can be used at any one of these levels, right? But from one to five, is going to be a different kind of dance than five to 10. So you can just kind of like move your body a little bit in the one to five. But if you're experiencing a lot of anxiety, five to 10, you want to get up and make sure every part of your body is moving. And the last one I have for five to 10 is cleaning a room in your house Or cleaning an area, a garage, you know, the deck, whatever, something that is going to exert a lot of energy and that you're not going to be done in three minutes. For me, this looks like turning off the ceiling fans, cleaning those because they get disgusting, and really like wiping down all the walls and making sure I vacuum under the furniture and dusting and right. You like, you are cleaning the room again. The more energy you are using, the quicker it is going to move out that anxiety. Ooh, So that was a lot. That was 30 different examples for you. I hope you found that helpful. I also have a free PDF that I will link in the show notes if you want to go grab that. There's a little bit of overlap with some of these examples. The only thing is on that free handout that I have, I don't label from one to five, three to seven or five to 10. So you just kind of will have to figure out based off of this podcast and based off of how you're feeling, what you think will work best for you. So for example, on there, I know I have vacuuming a room as one of the Tips to tame anxiety, I would put that more on the three to seven versus cleaning a whole room is going to be a five to 10. So it's really, you'll be able to kind of notice where you've got little to no movement, and then you've got a little bit more movement, and then you have a lot of movement. And that is how you'll be able to identify where on the scale they fall. I know anxiety can be debilitating for so many. And it is my mission to help people feel better because this is not something that needs to stop you from living your life. There are things that can help you without you having to take a pill, without having to numb your good feelings as well as the ones you're trying to avoid. There's there's still a life for you to live and a life for you to have in a way that makes you feel good. And so hopefully by all of these tips that I have been able to share with you today, you'll be able to pick out a few that you really love, that really resonate with you and that really help you so that you can begin to just start feeling better because you deserve that. You deserve to get the most out of this life and not feel stuck and not feel alone and not feel like nobody understands because there are resources out there for you. If you know anyone with anxiety, please share this episode with them. I am trying to reach as many people as I can to get people feeling better. It has truly been my pleasure to share these with you. These are tools I have been learning over the last year or so, and really understanding that the more anxious you feel, the more you need to move your body, and that all anxiety is not created equal has been such a huge eye-opener for me, and I just don't think enough people understand that. So please take this, please use it, please feel better, please share it with anyone that might benefit from it. I would be so happy to hear your experiences. Feel free to email me at hello at IamHeatherLove.com or send me a DM on Instagram at IamHeatherLove. I would be so happy to hear your stories. Thanks so much for listening. Have a magical day.